Oh, it doesn't matter. I just, and it, I don't even think about it. I just start saying, if there's not a conversation going on, the music's playing and I'm singing. And it, I can pretty much sing along with about any song out there. I'm going to go not, ahead and so. throw out that uh, sometimes even when there was a conversation going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If it's a conversation I'm not interested in, we maybe I continue chorus, to sing. <laughs> hit the chorus hard. And Hunter and I just looked at each other and waited for the chorus to be over so we could finish talking. <laughs> One time I was on a, a bear viewing trip with a photographer and he was always singing uh, – uh, Sister Christian by Night Ranger, yeah, which has Whoa. one of the greatest choruses of all time. Like I'm right. kind of dropping it out there just to see if I can get Jason to bust into song. <laughs> <laughs> the power of suggestion I, here. <laughs> I sing along. I don't just sing. So. <laughs> if I it's if I sing along, I sound okay. We'll just when I go. sing, I, I don't think, sound so good. <laughs> you're I the backup. That, that yeah, chorus yeah, exactly. <laughs> might be right up there with one of the most misquoted choruses ever. Yeah. I think there's one other one that's a strong first in that category. But as long as you sing it with gusto, the words don't really matter. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> just, just own it. Just own it. <laughs> <laughs> Motor and <anyone>? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to get me going. <laughs> <laughs> you can't not do it. When I know, I can't hit those first, highs though. <laughs> when we first got married and uh, we were on a road trip and Christy was singing Hall and Oates, the Maneater song. Yeah. And, oh, here she comes. Watch out, boys. <laughs> so Christy's singing along and she says, she's a bandita. <laughs> I said the uh, the title of the song is Man Eater, not Bandita. You should have just went with it, man. Let her believe it. I kind of like Bandita. Uh, get Remember that, that Garth Brooks song that was uh, I'm Shameless? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. My nephews used to think he says, I'm shaven. <laughs> <laughs> so for years, my sister just let him sing it with uh, I'm shaven. Right. They, they they couldn't wait to be shaven. <laughs> right. We'll have to do That's an episode awesome. on the best uh, early morning photography road trip soundtrack extravaganza. There you go. <laughs> it sounds to me like it should be like a live U2 uh, live with Jason. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I mean, seriously, though, you think about it, right? And you guys all know this. How many road trips have you been on? And if you just recorded the whole thing, you've solved all the world's problems. <laughs> You've fixed every issue. I mean, we, we've got it all nailed. It's just nobody will listen to us. So I do that on the crapper. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're not recording, are you? Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you yeah, are. He's recording. Oh, that's not this is all going. <laughs> okay. Shut up now. Yeah, well, right. You don't want to do that. So so what's the uh what's the premise of a catch up show? What are we what are we catching up here on? I can do fifteen minutes on the uh Hudsonian Godwit that I saw today. It was my first one ever. It's uh breathtaking. We're not, I have been I have been with a bunch of birders for the last <laughs> five days, and I, that's the last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> 
Did I mention that it's Hudsonian? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think you did. <laughs> did you know they're here in Anchorage? The Hudsonian Godwits? Drew? Yeah. I, 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 I didn't even know they so existed you can, until today. You can f- <laughs> so it's not really that big a deal now, is it? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the first one for me. Why, well, you know, now that I'm life listing. Yeah, are you life listing now? No. I I, oh. I, I pretend. I, I'm a big birder. I, I Like once a bird gets to a certain size and I can see it and things like that, then I'm like, hey, yeah. Like, but the little No, the I little like birds, that. There's a, a play on words there. I'm a big birder. Yeah. Right? Big bird. But just, I don't mean like I'm a big birder. I just like big birds. Big birds. I like big birds and right. I cannot lie. Right. <laughs> Somewhere great. between quail and ostrich. Uh, right, right. Anywhere in there. <laughs> One of those I bet you're going to have to step up your bird game, huh, Ron? Oh, dude. I, I woke up this morning and well before anyone else was up and we were getting ready to head out and I just had to drive down the road because they were giving me so much crap because I never seen a bobble link. I drove down the road, saw one sitting on a fence post, drove back. I'm like, there, shut up. I'm done. I found it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds made up. I I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) I said, Mike gave me my favorite bird book for Christmas last year. And they said, what's it called? I said, yes, he did. damn birds. <laughs> and I said, you don't want to know what they call the bobolink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Lopez. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed Podcast. Got a big announcement tonight. But first, we are having a, a catch-up episode. And for the first time in a while, we've got the whole crew on. And uh, we've had me and Mike... Me and Jason, Jason and Mike, but we haven't had us all three on for a while because we've been headed different directions and all over the place. And then tonight we've also got Drew Hamilton, who's been a a past guest and a past co-host and current and current past and future trivia master. (laughs) Hold on. Trivia master. (laughs) That was a fun episode. Yeah. Let's do that again soon. Yeah, we need to do that again. So, so probably August, we'll record a, a new trivia episode <laughs> with It'll be trivia here master Drew Hamilton. Yeah, right before everybody gets busy with the fall, we'll do one. <laughs> so as far as ketchup, there's a lot to talk about. This, is, this might be a, a meaty episode because... Like I said, everybody's been going different directions. Mike, you've been all over the place and doing both commercial and wildlife work and are headed out again. Uh, Jason, you and I did a trip and then you've done a couple since then. And Drew, you've been, you've got probably the biggest adventure of all going on. Yes. 
I, and I, I didn't know if that was the big announcement you were, you were alluding to earlier on, but well, that'll uh, come later. Oh, Oh shoot. Well, I can't top that then I guess, <laughs> but no, we, we had a, we had a baby. <laughs> And so uh, I don't know how much uh, photography stuff I'm going to be talking about, but if anybody wanted to do like a breakaway session on on diaper changing techniques or uh, you know burping, <laughs> I'm I'm practically an expert at this point. So uh, so th- and th- frankly, that could be a whole spinoff podcast we could do on burping or farting. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after after ten weeks of absence, I've got. Everybody's back home, including the the new grandbaby. Finally got released from the ICU and everything's good. Congratulations. He's doing good. So yeah, it's uh it's a yeah, really it's a big, big deal. deal finally. That's awesome. So as a new as a new father, and I was asking you guys, like, so which is better to have, you know, your own kids or grandkids? Like how does it all uh how does it stack up? What do I have to look forward to here? So far, grandkids. <laughs> Look at Jason. Jason's got a biggest. So far, grandkids, <laughs> hands down, because well, I can just I can leave and go do my thing. I could never do that when they were mine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody says that, right? Everybody says grandkids are better, and and I get the the reason why. But I'll tell you what, I'm just at that point where Hunter, my youngest boy, is graduating. And he's graduated from high school this year and he's getting ready to go on to whatever's next for him. And it's really hitting me down that I'm going to be an empty nester and the, how fast all those years go. You know what I mean? Not to get like emotional and stuff, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of times I really miss, you know, all those times with the kids and the lacrosse games and photographing them and just all the stuff that goes along with growing up, even though some of it can be, miserable and frustrating at times but it's all part of the process and i i don't know man i don't know if i'd say they're better they're just different that's what I'd say. i actually i was corresponding with cotton carrier on <laughs> online today somebody was asking me some questions from cotton carrier and i asked them if they had a, an attachment that you could have like the camera you know hangs in the middle and then just offset you could have the baby and if they didn't have it i'm gonna make that that's gonna be my new million dollar idea i think yeah it's an with, a, it's a with the idea. cotton carrier thing, you could spin them like ZZ Top when they get wound up. <laughs> She's getting fussy. Give her a spin. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we, I digress. Sorry. Mike, how about you? That So we've got a couple first tonight. And it's, you know, there's going to be more to come in the future. But Mike had uh, set up the very first wild and exposed workshop and you guys just got back right yeah it was a good trip too we did a lot of uh a lot of sailing in the boat do you call uh, it when you're under trip? when you're underway we weren't underway. sailing we were floating so we were underway so we uh left homer and it was a 14 hour ride to where we were at, where we were filming or shooting and so uh that was cool. And I think that part of it was cool for part of the participants too, just because it's something most people don't get a chance to do that sort of thing. And the other cool thing is you get to bring as much as you want. You don't have to worry about weight because that boat could take whatever. But uh, we got to the spot and we actually had to try before one we, spot before. Before we talk about spots, could you talk about the boat a little bit? Just for people that might want to sign up in the future. 
you guys all had your own quarters. Is that right? No, it's a double occupancy. So you had two people sharing a room basically. And, and this boat is different than the boat Drew and I are familiar with. Drew was on this similar boat last year, but um, which was configured a little different. This one is, so Drew, I guess my whole point to that is Drew won't be able to help me too much with this, but he'll know a lot more information than I do just because he's done it more. But uh, every room on this boat had four beds, but they're bunk beds. So rather than putting four people in a room, and you know, on a boat, rooms are pretty dang small. So we just had two people per room. And so you would put, like your stuff could be up on the top bunk, your camera bag and your uh, clothes. And then there's shelves in the rooms too, so you can store all your stuff. And then you've got the bottom bunk to sleep on. So we had four four people in there. So we had two of those rooms, so two people per each room. And then for this particular trip, the guy who owns the boat had bought a shipping container, like a 20-footer. And he he bought it already made with two rooms inside that. And it was super nice. Um, the cool thing about that is you have an outside window. So that was the cool, you get a fresh air, you wake up in the morning and you can look out and you know, Alaska right now has sunlight. I don't even know. Sun doesn't set to like 1130 and it's twilighty for another hour past that. And then the sun comes up at like four o'clock. So it's not very much dark. So you could constantly look outside, which was kind of cool. But the rooms in the Connex are actually two bunk beds. And so you use both of those beds. So it was kind of a different configuration throughout, um, but very comfortable, very, uh, the boat is not made to go fast. It's a working boat. So I think the top speed was like 10 knots. So you figure 14 hours at 10 knots takes a while or it takes a while. It takes 14 hours, but you don't cover much ground. I guess is my point. So, um, but it's got a big, huge deck on it. We barbecued on the, on the deck one day because it was super nice weather the whole time we were there, you know, normally, and Drew, you can probably speak to this more than me. Normally on a four or five day trip, you would have at least one weather day, right? Where you're either going to have really gloomy skies or you're going to have wind or you're going to have something. This, it was sunny, blue skies the whole time we were there. Flat water. The guy that was riding the Zodiac or driving the Zodiac that would take us in every day. He's like, God, you're just so lucky that it's not uh, sweat, you know, swells out there because you're all going to get wet if it is. And I'm like, oh, I don't think we'd get wet, but maybe he knows more than I do. We had flat water. So every time, and you, you end up walking a long ways, you're basically working with the tides. So at a high tide, he could take you all the way into the bank or to the shore. At a low tide, you ended up walking about how far, Drew, when you were walking out to yeah, that it boat? Yeah, it can be about a half, half mile. mile and it's it's what's tricky about it is it can be like a half mile and then a quarter mile in like shin deep water. Like it, there's not enough water to get the boat in, but then there's a not it's not low enough to easily walk through. So you kind of just kind of put your head down and, and, and get there to the point where he can pick you up on one of the bars or, or things like that. And Patrick's really good about getting in close enough to the best spot that he can get but there there are physical constraints on how far he can get in there it should be noted he's also probably was he the grill master as well was he in charge of barbecuing <laughs> yes. He's, he's, oh, yes he's a man he's of a many master. many many talents and he's in he's in charge of all jokes very very witty guy as well so you are constantly entertained with him and he is so fast <laughs> i love that crew they are jokes. they are i've been on a lot of boats for for doing stuff like that and they are uh by far my favorite 
I hope, oh, shoot. I hope the other crews aren't listening. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll just, uh, <laughs> we'll deal with that. I guess I said it now. There's no taking it back. No, I was super jealous. But when we left Homer, we were, oh, well, and see, Drew was supposed to be on this trip. And then that's when they figured out that they were pregnant. And so then he's like, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm not going to be able to be on this trip, which was cool. We left Homer and the plan was to go 14 hours out to the spot. And when we headed out, the weather looked really, really bad in an area. And the boat captain was like, you know what? If we could just go find another spot just to get across the Cook Inlet and try to photograph bears in another spot first, then make our way the next day when the weather was supposed to get better. Um, he's like, I'd like to try that just to, just to not have really rough waters. And then they're super safe. This crew is like, you're always putting on your life jackets. You're always being very safe about everything we do, which mm -hmm. is really cool, right? Because it may, gives everybody a peace of mind. So that first day, we ended up going probably 24 hours and didn't take a picture because it was, you know, we had to cross the Cook Inlet, and then we tried to get to another spot that didn't work because we were two miles out is the closest the boat could get in due to shallow water. So we basically just ate dinner and went to bed, and the next morning they they sailed all night. Or is it, what is it? They, they, what do you say, Drew? <laughs> they were underway all night. And then they, we got there about, I don't know, noon the next day and were able to get out. And that whole day we, we got out, got on shore and we were on bears. So we had bears for, we had bears every day. We had bears that we could get close to. We had some bears that we were doing clamming. I mean, and by getting close, it's a 50 yard limit there. But if the bears approach you, you can, they can come as close as they want to come. And yeah, I sent you guys a couple of the pictures. And if anybody wants to go check it out, you can see I did a little trip report, trip report blog and I put up some of the pictures. But we had a couple of bears that were, I don't know, a car's length away. And they don't care about you. All they care about is calories. They're just packing away the calories and a little bit of mating behavior. It was still, I'm, I'm guessing a little early. Is that true, Drew? Uh, June, it usually starts late May, uh, goes through June. It'll, it'll go into maybe early July, depending on each individual bear scenario. But, uh, yeah, usually when people ask, it's just throughout June and, and you're, you're covered. There was lots of, uh, walking behind females, but no like serious, like pursuits. There was lots of cowboy walking <laughs> and maybe you can explain what cowboy walking is, Drew. So it, it's, it's quite comical actually. And, and it's not just a, a behavior related to mating, but um, the big males in particular, um, when they get all worked up, they will, so they've got uh, scent glands in their paws and they're just kind of mashing uh, their feet into the ground and they're doing it to either uh, as a calling card, like the other, let the other bears know who's in the area. Um, the females will follow that because, you know, it, it often gets portrayed as, as you know, the, the males are following the females, but um, the females are, are, are into it too. This is their, their time to mate as well. And so, you know, they're figuring out who's about following these trails and they're, people call it different things. People call it like mashed potato walk or I've always called it the cowboy walk, but it's, it's, it's describing the same behavior. And there are places, um, there are a number of places I can think of out in like Hollow Bay where, where you guys were, where the bears have been doing this in the same spot for so long that it leaves these depressions that get potentially quite deep. 
uh, as they just keep generations of bears have put their feet in the exact same spots and done this this walk through there and these males get so jacked up on pheromones during mating season that I don't even think they can help it at some point, you know, you'll, you'll walk, they'll walk by like a rubbing tree or something and catch the scent of this other male. And you'll just see them cowboy walk and start uh, peeing all over everything. And hopefully they're not peeing all over you guys. Although it was hot enough. <laughs> you needed to cool off. I don't know. So we saw tons of that behavior and that was a great explanation. And then we saw a few, we saw three different females with cubs. No Cubs of the Year. I think that probably is for sure a little bit early. Just because those Cubs of the Year usually show up a little bit later when things are kind of settled down with the mating. That's my take on the whole situation in other areas that I've been. And again, Drew, you could probably speak to that. But um, we saw there was one sow that had two cubs, but we could never, ever. She was so, she was always out there at twilight. And, and then she never worked with the tides for us to get to right, right on it. But we had a good trip. Lots of, lots of bears. I think everybody that was on the trip was super jazzed and, you know, it started out slow, like I said. So I think people were like, well, are we going to be able to take any pictures here? But it, once we got to the location, it, everything picked up and there were pictures to be had every day. It looked like you guys had the, the scenery and then the couple pictures that you sent us of the, the group and that had the background and it you had some crazy light opportunities as well with those bears up close. So good wide angle opportunities to get the whole, the whole range out there on the peninsula. Yeah. I was there pretty much just helping people and I take my video camera and a lot of these situations weren't great video stuff. And I was looking for something very specific. So a lot of times I didn't even pull my camera out. So I would just sit back I would point out the obvious things that I thought, not necessarily obvious things. I would point out things that I would see that I would be like, hey, make sure you're shooting a vertical or, hey, make, you know, this bear is going to stand up. Just hold your horses. Just be ready. This bear is definitely going to stand up. We're just got to wait. You know, you just got to, you never know what's going to happen. So I was calling out that kind of stuff and then just standing there with my cell phone and pretty much all the pictures you saw that I put up on the page are just all cell phone pics. Well, that boat trip over it always, I always think of it as kind of three legs, uh, when you get the, the first part right out of Homer and it's beautiful scenery. I mean, Homer is painfully beautiful. And then you've got that kind of, uh, the, the boring part in the middle. And that's, I usually go take a nap, uh, for that sleep, sleep through that middle part. So that when you get back as you're passing by like Augustine volcano, Cape Douglas, things like that, where the scenery gets good again, then you can be looking out the window. It's, a, it's all about strategizing. <laughs> so you can, you can get the, get the good views and sleep through the boring part. Yeah. And when you get in those good areas with the good views, that's when you're seeing the whales too. So we saw quite a few whales and I can't tell you what kind we saw. They were always just the blow holes coming up. I think one of the guys on board was like, that was a minky whale. And I think we saw some humpbacks, but other than that, we weren't 100% sure. And they were always, you know, nothing photographable, but just cool to see. Hey, you said you guys had some opportunities on puffing as well, right? Mostly just coming back, just on the boat. Yeah, just passing. So you're pretty much going to get a butt shot with the, the puffing looking back at you. So it's like you never, ever get them straight up. But there's some good spots. And what's cool about this trip is I got a chance to talk to the captain and I got a chance to talk to Dave at AK Adventures and I was like, are you guys into this? Or do you guys want to do more of these workshops? And they're like, oh, yeah. It's like their favorite thing to do. You know, this is a working boat. And sometimes they're out doing 
what do they lay fiber optic cable in some of the bays they do different things as hard work kind of stuff they're like these kind of trips are the best because we get to go see wildlife we get to hang out with cool people so um my point to all that is i think what we're going to try to do is put together a puffin trip or or maybe it would be a trip that would come out of seward that would be whales and puffins and otters and you know uh glaciers that you know ron you and i mm -hmm. did that that time and it was yeah, yeah pretty it was awesome and you i think you could fill up take several thousand images of really cool stuff along the way and then we talked about another bear trip we talked the possibility about doing a wolf trip to try to find oh and we did see a wolf Ooh, that's always a highlight two different nights same wolf i think yeah we heard him howling a lot and it was pretty far out there it wasn't I mean, people took photos, but more of just like a landscape. Uh, what do you call it? Some sort of um, oh. like a documentation, yeah. documentary photo. Picture yeah, didn't this happen. This was like a documentation kind of style. <laughs> so <clears throat> exactly. Nothing as close as uh, I think what you've seen out there, Drew, but it was pretty cool. We had gotten back or actually, I can't remember which day you left, but I think we had just gotten back from lizards colorado yeah right before you left and then i left again right after that but jason took me down mike you've invited me i don't know how many years to go down there and do that and it just it's a long long drive <laughs> and uh so oh. i just never made it happen in there <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Mister. Six hours, seven hours. I'm just teasing. So, yeah, it ended up being a 13 hour drive because I got stuck in Denver, but to go down and photograph <laughs> lizards, and that's what I couldn't justify in my mind. Having been there now, though, I would say hey, that's something everybody should do at some point. It was it was pretty fun, and it it, it was kind of lazy photography, but it was how I mean, dare you. It, it was and it wasn't. I mean, we were driving around, find one. Is it going to be cooperative? Is it not? Nope. Go on to the next one, and then the next one would, be, next one would be cooperative, and you just you just slay it with these things because you could you could kind of work the the whole situation. But yeah, Jason, go no, ahead. No, no, no. I, I was, yeah, I was going to let you go for it. I was just going to say we got to the point where it was like, all right, who's going <laughs> to see if this one's cooperative? <laughs> right? Who's going to open the door? All right, he stayed. Now who's going to yeah, get out? Your, your turn. <laughs> yeah. Can... Take, and then we started counting. So is it is it going to be a two-stepper, right. three-stepper, four-stepper <laughs> when they were going to leave? And, the, and then some of them, they just sat. And so we'd get out and and shoot and probably the toughest thing was to keep everybody out of everybody's shot but the the backgrounds were clean and just got some crazy stuff with those guys and they're so colorful and every one of them is just a little bit different go ahead drew so so what kind of lizards are we talking about here i haven't lived in lizard country in a long time <laughs> yeah well me me i mean there are a lot of lizards in wyoming but nothing like these guys they were bigger uh, the collared lizards are the ones that we primarily went down after. And and then Jason also, the last, what, two years, has had good luck with uh, uh, 
leopard lizard, lizard eating lizard the leopard lizard leopard lizard and then jason i don't you you would have to say what the other species were because i didn't i don't i there was a fringed right um and a, sage a sagebrush brush. lizard there was a, a desert spiny was one of my faves that's become desert spiny. desert spiny has yeah, become one of my favorite one. ones yeah. i call them little dragons they're just really cool with scales <laughs> and the whole nine they got some neat mm-hmm. colors um and then that leopard lizard Haran had a great encounter with the leopard lizard it's like he's <laughs> like said How, where'd you go oh i went down this side road over here oh yeah what did you get anything oh yeah like, well, show me what you got. And he's like, well, I think I got a leopard lizard. And it's like this full frame in your face leopard lizard photo. And I'm like, what the crap? It's like, how did, where did you well, find was, that? Yeah, it was first It was first thing in the morning. So, you know, first thing in the morning, they're still cool. So being a cold-blooded animal, they're they're trying to warm up so they can get active and go hunt. And he was out, like, right out in the middle of the road. Um, but it wasn't like the main road. It was a, a two track. So it looked a little bit more natural and he was standing in the middle of the road, just sunning himself. And, uh, I had to test and see if he was going to be tolerant. So I got out and I just took my camera and opened up the, the viewfinder in on the back. And I just put my camera down like I was filming something and, um, just kept walking forward and he let me get about, I was within probably three steps and had him full frame. And With what was, kind of lens were you using? He was postured up. I had the 200 to 400 and I, I think I was probably at 400 millimeter. And then uh, I had to actually increase my aperture a little bit because I needed a little bit more depth of field to get the whole thing in focus. And I still don't think I did. He was that close. So <laughs> the depth of field was pretty shallow or the focal plane was pretty shallow at that point. So Drew, Just these lizards can get pretty long. They can get to be, I don't know, with the tail, what would you guys guess? 12 to 15 oh, inches wow. long? Oh, yeah. I was picturing so like four or five, five leopard probably for leopard sure. For sure yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. No, they're pretty big oh, lizards. Dang. And in fact, they, they eat other lizards. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of their what's on the menu for them with the collared lizards and some of those other ones, they're just pretty much eating bugs. So when you go down there and do this, what, what's like the Holy grail of lizard photography where you like, what, what do you go in there to specifically, are you just freestyle lizard photography? here? I know. No, no, no. I know the answer, but I'm not, unfortunately. Oh, somebody on this show already has the shot. So, <laughs> Did Ron just get it on his first try? There. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh. No, no, no. Mike, no. Mike has a photo Mike of a leopard lizard with a collared lizard in its mouth. Right. So, what one thing we did get on this trip, and Ron posted it on the uh, on the yeah. on his page, is uh, you know a mating. We assuming a mating pair together, and that's the first time I've yeah. seen two collared lizards together. So that was kind of cool. Um, did you see them? Did they actually mate while you guys were there? No, no, we didn't see anything. So what happens, and I think we've talked about it on the show before, but Drew, just for your information, anybody that hasn't listened to that show, is the two of them will come together and they're full on color, and then the female will drop all of her color out of her body. It just instant. It just like goes from really colorful to drab, you know, very, very just subdued colors. And then when they actually mate, both of them, all the color leaves. And I think it's more of a protection kind of thing because they're – they usually up on top of a rock or something and with predators and things like that, they just don't want to be standing out 
when they're mating on top of a rock somewhere. So it's just a pretty cool Very thing. Cool. And then when they're done, the color just comes right back. It is pretty cool to see. Yeah. I and think... then one thing that we did find out, go ahead, Jason. You're I'm sorry. I know there's a little bit of a lag. Yeah. But no, I was just going to say, I think we screwed them up because uh, they were both in full color. So we probably <laughs> just got there and ruined the party. <laughs> they or took they off together. Just had a party. <laughs> they right. took off paw in paw. Yeah. And off they went. Paw and paw. <laughs> the, for me, the, the leopard lizard is the holy grail to me. And I don't know if it's just because they're harder to photograph in my experience. They're they're rarer to see. When they when you see them, they're generally really shy and they don't stick around. So Ron's encounter is awesome. Um, and I've gotten a couple of photos, but, you know, kind of far away. And I really, I think next year, and I yes, I will go back. Um, I'm going to really focus hard on trying to get the leopard lizards and Funny story real quick. We were driving along and Hunter was in the back seat and he was, he was my camera guy. Right. So we'd see something. And if I could shoot it out the window, I'd say, Hey, hand me my camera. Well, on this one, we pulled up and there was a lizard off the side and I didn't, I couldn't quite tell what it was right away. And I said, Hey, Hunter, hand me my camera. And he rolled the window down and he took a couple of shots and then like literally two. And then he handed me the camera and I opened the door and got out and it took off. Well, come to find out later on, I got to look at my photos. It was a leopard lizard. And he was, oh. he was all, he was full. He had just eaten. I'm positive. So anyway, oh, yeah, was, he, was, he had huge belly. He had a big old belly and yeah, but it was kind of cool to, so we, we did see him there around. Um, but there, there, I mean, this whole trip was just, I don't know how to explain it. And I was to explain to Ron, you know, two days is, two days is enough, but the whole two days it's fun. Um, but it's dusty. It's, it was hot. It was 85, 90 degrees. The biting gnats were in full force. You know, everything. We were pokes a little you. late. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I was asking, are you, are you using the iLock autofocus? Does it work on lizards? Too easy. It works. It absolutely does. Yeah. <laughs> it, I'm telling you, my last two weeks have been the easiest wildlife photography I've ever done, ever. Between the lizards and then what we'll talk about in a bit. But to your question, Mike, yes, the bugs were... They were out and really- drew. They're relentless. They are. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've been up in the Arctic with the mosquitoes, but I, I, I think it's right on par with that. Oof. I mean, you, when the last yeah, time I did it, when picture. I was down with Jason the year before, I think he had left and I went back down one more day and all I had showing was my eyeballs. <laughs> I had taped up my sleeves. I had taped on my pant legs. I, I had a buff on and then all you could see, but they still get underneath your hat brim and they get inside the, oh, they're just relentless and millions of them. Yeah. The key. I knew this whole fun weekend was too good to be true. <laughs> the key is it you got to go a couple weeks blast. earlier yeah. and that, and hopefully the bugs won't be as bad. Right. They're still bad, but. Yeah. There's a, there's a small price it. to pay, but it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> And I'm Ron, I think you did send a picture and I was just looking for it on my phone, but of that male and that female up on that rock, I just can't find it. I can't figure out if you emailed it or sent I, it I think text, I, I we'll posted put it, in the it on the Wild and Exposed page. Maybe yeah. that's where I saw it. Yeah. Anyway, let's put it in the show notes. Okay. Because that'll be a good good picture to check out. Yeah, it and was these a fun these collared lizards are found all over. I mean, Colorado's southwest Colorado's good, but Arizona's got them, New Mexico's got them, Texas has got them, Oklahoma's got them. I think they just happen to be more colorful right in that area where we're going than 
generally where you see them. That was the shocking thing to me is they don't match anything. They, I mean, they stand out, which made them easy to spot, which was great because lizards are notoriously tough because they blend in everything. But these guys just, I mean, they're so colorful and obviously to attract each other. But it, it surprised me, you know, because there were a lot of birds flying around. So I I would think that that would be a, a limiting factor to survival because you're, you're notifying all the raptors right where you're at just based on the color. But they, they, there was a lot of them. So obviously they're, they're going strong. Go ahead, yeah. Jason. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've actually thought about that. I, I saw a few ravens flying around there, right, or crows, mm-hmm. but never have seen any real raptors in that or hawks or anything flying around out there, and it really kind of surprises me. Um, but I, I still think they'd get away. I mean, they are, they're so fast. I mean, when they, they want to move, fast. they move. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But And we did find they, a couple of collared lizards that were really cooperative. I mean, um we uh, we were able to get some kind of some cool wide angle shots, you know. Um, they they would let us get real close to them, um, and you know we just just figured out which ones would be would put up with us, so to speak, right? And if they didn't put up with us, they'd let us know. I mean, you can see their body language; they start to kind of do a little up and down thing if they get a little nervous. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to watch their behaviors and learn more about another species. And it. <laughs> I'm ready to go shoot rattlesnakes, Mike. I'm telling you. You let me know when we can do it. Let's go. <laughs> and Mike, you had you had talked about the color. The other thing that we and I don't. Sorry, I, you should go ahead and answer to the rattlesnake thing, and then I can talk about oh, this. You're fine. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll um, I'll work it in. So the the females, what we found out, and Kelly actually had looked this up because I remembered you talking about them. You know the color draining when they right after they breed and after copulation the females when they when they get their color back it almost looks like in the gill area or where the gill would be on a fish they have these red streaks and it's only after copulation and we didn't find that out we had photographed a very cooperative female and she had just the the prettiest coloration and a lot of that red in the neck and so when Kelly looked it up, that's what we found out is that's right after copulation. And, and that's when that change occurs. And I saw one other pair on the way out, but they weren't having it. They were, they were gone. So. It's so funny how some of them will put up with it and some of them won't. I don't, I don't understand what that whole thing is about, but I don't know. There's yeah. side roads. They seem to have more luck on the side roads. And on the busier main road, which isn't that busy, um, I just don't get them to cooperate as much, I think. Yeah, well, on that main road this time, Mike, I'm not even joking. We we saw two vehicles the first day. That was and it. I think the second day there was one. Oh, that's right. One and came in after I left. After you left that. And that was it the entire time. So, And that's a lot of what's cool about shooting these things, too, is it's you basically got them to yourself. You just have that whole area to yourself, which is kind of good. Yeah. And we did get some crazy video the second day and just, it's a, (laughs) it'll be a good demonstration of just how fast they are because this little dude is peeking around this rock 
and then you don't even see him move from where he was peeking around and then he's peeking around the other side. So it, it was at 30 frames a second, I think. So it was, it'll be real speed and you'll be able to get an idea just how fast they are. And then I got, I put a GoPro out. There was one that would come back on the same exact spot on the rock every time. And so I told Jason, if we find one that's, you know, frequent in a location, I'm going to throw a GoPro out. And I put two out to get a couple different angles. And sure enough, he went up and perched himself up on right back up on top of this rock. And when I drove back about a half hour later to grab the GoPros, he ran right back down same spot. He always went, but it, it was in slow motion and it was still, it was recording 120 P and it was still pretty fast. So it'll, it'll be neat to put some video up. I, I think that's just the perfect excuse to go buy a, buy a phantom. Like it's a business expense right now. Like you, you need a phantom to go to do these lizards. Right. It's probably bright sun. It would be, it's the perfect tool for it. Right tool Maybe. for the job. Just, you know, it just is, explain oh, that yeah. to the family. I had to buy the camera. <laughs> I don't know if the government would uh, allow me to write off a camera that costs four times as much as I make in a year. Well, it's a, it's a long-term goal. <laughs> you know, that's a good point though. It's funny because I don't, I don't know if Mike, maybe you can help with this more, the technical aspect, Ron can maybe answer too, actually, but just, you know, the fact that these things you don't get, you don't really get golden hour with them, you know, cause they're not, Another cool thing about this trip is you can kind of sleep in, get up, eat some breakfast. <laughs> you don't have to be out there anytime in a hurry. They're not going to come out till around nine, ten o'clock. You That's know? what I was and talking about. And then they're out, about. right, <laughs> in the heat of the day. And they're going to be out till about five-ish in the afternoon. And they kind of start to slow down and disappear. And But the point, right, they're in that super harsh light. But, I, you know, my images, I feel like my images were still fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because the, the scales and stuff, you know, they're a contrasting animal anyways. Or you know what I'm saying? I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I don't know either. I think uh, a lot of that light down there too. I mean, you do get the earlier and later in that. You don't like dead uh, noon is not no that right great, but right. you know if you get early morning, early late morning, and early late afternoon or early early afternoon, it's still pretty decent light. And then yeah, sometimes you get them on that red rock, and I don't know, I don't know what causes it to work, but it does work. Yeah. Yeah, it does work. We had a good time. So, I mean, we could talk lizards a long time. We've been talking lizards a lot lately, I think. But <laughs> Well, if you want to do rattlesnakes, we've got to do that in like March. Oh, okay. So, we what we need is a 70, 70 degree day in March and we can just find a, a den with 20 or 30 rattlesnakes in it and go to town. Okay. I've got one. Well, Mike's yeah. been there already. But it didn't. Yeah. Oh, it really? didn't have that many snakes. There was only a couple left. No, that was only a couple. There. But and they're different. I mean, the ones I know about are twenty or thirty. But I'm sure they're. Well, we were photographing. You just need to find a warm spot and some rocks. Yeah, we were photographing grouse too. So it was still pretty early in the season for, for them to be all out. But yeah, we, I think you you'll you would dig it, Jason. Mm-hmm. You would dig, the whole rattlesnake thing, and Drew, yeah, you could come down yeah. and hang out. One rattlesnake <laughs> is one too many, if you ask me. <laughs> I'll look at your pictures. You're probably, you're probably safe up there in Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> so safe. So safe. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I'm just avoiding oh. the snakes.
we had the the second in in two weeks we had the first and the second wild and exposed workshop and i went out with uh and and to be completely honest this year it was it was kind of more of a tour because i hadn't been out there before i had never photographed loons before and so i just wanted to kind of do an exploratory so i just put it out there to a few people that uh i knew would be interested in the in a bird trip and um cole waltner and then Mike and Candace Burke came out with me. Mike is uh, East Coast. Cole is in Montana. But they came out with me and we did the a loon workshop. And then Stan Tequila, who's been on the show in the past, was our guide. And I'll be honest with you, I got a, a loon education that probably surpasses what you could get in a, a semester of college. <laughs> Um, just in a few days, you know, as far as the breeding season, breeding habits and, and social habits of, of loons, we saw a lot of behavior and Stan is just really knowledgeable. And on we lucked out. He had had trips that had good light and he had trips that had calm water, but he didn't have any that were, you know, had the combination of both. And every day we were out, we had calm water and incredible light. So we got, I mean, perfect, perfect front lit loons reflecting in the, in the calm water with the chicks on their back, got everybody's eyes or, you know, has a catch light in it. I couldn't, I haven't posted any of that yet. So I've got a lot of images to go through because then we started to, you know, that was just too easy. And this is why I said it was lazy photography because it just laid on the front of the boat and I'd just put my head down. He'd get us in position. I'd look up, take a few shots and then put my head down again until he repositioned the boat. And it was just, it made me just feel pathetic. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> you could have laid a camera out there on the front of that boat and it could have done the same thing I did. That's how I was feeling. But, <laughs> <laughs> to get all the, you know, the compositions, I guess, I guess I did have to compose it. So there's that. But one time. Yeah. That's important. So there's that. Don't, don't let anybody time, tell you different. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> one time a, a loon did a wing flap and I just, I mean, I literally pointed the camera over the side of the boat. I didn't even look through the viewfinder and just started firing away and nailed it. <laughs> so it is it is pretty easy to get some incredible images up there and you know we had you know, i'm not i'm not the bird of the group for sure but we had uh some caspian turns we had jasper's turns we had uh black turns and then i saw my first bobolink which i had to get a hard time about that I had never seen one for the whole trip. So I just cruised out this morning before everybody was up and about and just went out and glassed this fence line just so I could say I saw one. So they'd quit giving me a hard time. Will you describe it, a bobolink for us? Yeah. It, it's a, almost exactly like a red wing blackbird size wise. And it's black, but it has like a white cap and then kind of a white, cape i guess is the best way to explain it on its back stan said some people call it the upside down bird because it's you know most of the color usually is in front 
but on the bobolink it's it's on the back and then they've got a little yellow to them but they their song mm-hmm. they kept calling them the r2d2 bird and until this morning i didn't know why but when you hear their song it it sounds just like r2d2 from star wars so they're pretty cool birds but well based on everything you just said ron i'd say that you are now officially the birder of this group (laughs) i still don't think so i think drew's probably got that (laughs) locked down between the four of us well well i've been i've my birding is 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 different now i'm 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 baby birding so I'm I'm driving around to get this baby to sleep in the in the car seat in the back, and so all my birding is done from the front seat of the truck. And so like we've been seeing some cool stuff, and and but it is it's not like I'm getting water level shots or things like that. It's more just kind of driving around and seeing. It's 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 fun because this is our first spring in Churchill, and it's it's a little behind weather wise what we'd always experienced in Alaska. Like today was the first day that we said, oh look, it's starting to to green up. Uh, the tundra is starting to get a little green to it. There are a couple flowers starting to come out, but like today we're out, we saw, uh, well, yesterday we saw our first sandhill crane. Um, that's kind of right on schedule for them here. I've been asking around, uh, some Hudsonian godwits, uh, <laughs> saw some, uh, uh, common merganser and red-breasted merganser. We saw bald eagle, uh, Pacific loon, like they're, they're there. And, uh, I'm just mm-hmm. finding the spots and things like that. And, checking them off my my list and making sure the baby's still asleep and then go on and look for the next she does like gravel <laughs> roads which is very lucky um and so far i will say she's on a bit of a uh, aurora season schedule that, that i appreciate you know up all night kind of thing uh, being a night owl myself and so i, I look maybe she'll be right. my aurora buddy next winter that'll be a, a ton of fun uh, but we'll see. And the bay is still frozen. Actually, tomorrow I'm going to go out and do a uh, go out in the zodiac out to the flow edge, and, and we're looking for some Sabine's gulls. Uh, see if we can find a little gull. There, there, there are definitely some some cool birds. I'm I'm dropping all these just so I'm trying well, to that, show off. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. Definitely not the. I still haven't seen a barbaloo. Bobble link. <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was impressed. <laughs> you probably won't up there. <laughs> oh, it's it's great. I I need to get one of these the the, the birders from the show to come up here and because it is it is it is fun. I'm having so much fun learning these birds and and figuring out like mm-hmm. where to go find them and things like that. And um, so like really, we are we are looking into um, doing more early tours like this for people who are wanting to come up well, to for, for, for birds. And there are some unique birds that can be found here. Around I've Churchill. definitely got a couple guys that would be first on your list. I can promise you. Okay. We got no lizards, no hard, rattlesnakes. They're hardcore. Yeah, no. I, well, come on up. And, and then here, like it's June 10th and the river is almost like, we're going to start getting beluga whales here. Uh, anytime. Like I've, I've been kind of, on my drives, casually just scanning the river every now and again. There was a big old bearded seal down by Cape Mary the other day. That was pretty cool to see. Um, and then um, there's been a grizzly bear spotted and a black bear black spotted. Bear. No polar bears yet. 
but they, they are usually going to be coming off the ice in, in July. And yeah, it's really cool. We've got all three species of North American bear found in the, uh, the Churchill metropolitan area. And it's really, I, I listened to a talk the other day on the grizzly bears in this area, and it is kind of a, a relatively new occurrence, but they're catching them on, on camera traps. And so it's, and they're always, if anybody sees one, they're asking for information and locations and things like that. So, you know, me, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm going to be keeping my out for <laughs> grizzly bears everywhere I go just to help out, mm. you know, science and whatnot. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it's been, it's been a lot of baby birding is what I've been, is what I've been awesome. doing. <laughs> is it my turn to catch up? Like, I guess I just kind of took it over there. I don't even perfect. know. No, it was I haven't perfect. slept in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think the last time I, I talked to you guys and it was probably when we were on with Alex, but that was I still, think it was the trivia episode, wasn't it? Ago. Like that was probably right after, was Alex on? Isaac that was, was no, on that was Isaac was on with that one. Didn't we do one with Alex from Discovery Church? I think Churchill that was here? before, yeah. I think we did it over at his house. Yeah. yeah, that you. I think you were in Winnipeg when we did that. That's right. Oh, that was the last dog yep. surgery. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that was a while ago. But I think since then we, we we had our aurora season, which is just amazing. I've been, you know, I've been I've done a few aurora seasons here, and I've been doing a lot of aurora seasons in Alaska. And this year was absolutely nuts. Um, we had Aurora, we had good Aurora, 25 out of 28 day nights wow. in February. And, uh, we were trying to figure out how long our streak was. And then it just kept going so far into March. We just lost count. Like we were to that point. And, you know, it's, it's, we only have, I don't know, maybe 40 kilometers of roads, um, uh, to utilize, but once everything freezes, like we're driving across the river, we're going out on the sea ice, like the amount or the, the variety of foreground elements you can throw on in just a single night of Aurora hunting here in Churchill. We can go down to the Anukshuk behind the complex. You can, uh, one of my favorite spots was to go out on the river and they get these huge ice hummocks mm. out there. And so you could use those as the foreground and the lights would just rip it in the next few years. Um, I think they're, they're predicting the solar maximum to peak in 2025. So, it's just going to get better. Like it's, it was, it was, it was mind blowing. And I did, uh, some folks ask us to shoot some stock video of the Aurora. So we were very successful and got them more than they could, uh, more than they were hoping mm -hmm. for on that. So that worked out, out great. And then, uh, yeah, then we went down. Hey, Drew, hold on with that stock video. What were you shooting that Sony is? So I've got what? S3, R3. Well, so I've got the uh, the Sony A7S2. And one of the fun things that I, now that I'm living in, in Aurora Central here, right under the oval, I could justify um, experimenting with a bunch of different lenses. So I ordered a bunch of lenses. And uh, so right now, most of the video I was doing with this uh, uh, Sony 14 1.8 it's their g master series and that was really great really sharp uh no real distortion it looked good all the way to the corners so i used that for a lot of video but the thing with the aurora here in churchill is because we're right under the aurora oval um 14 
not big enough. So I was like, okay, I need to get a fisheye. <laughs> so I paid way too much in shipping to get a B&H shipment up. And it took, still took like two weeks to get it up here. I'm looking what I got. I, got, I bought a couple fisheye lenses. I bought a, a seven and a half millimeter and like an 11 millimeter fisheye. And even then you're like, God, I just wish it would, there's some way to capture the whole sky. The, the 7.5 does almost a full, full spear on this full frame Sony. And uh, so I tried doing video with that. And I don't know, it was just, it was super fun to have these things at my disposal and just be able to go out 10 minutes, boom, you're there, you're shooting video. Uh, oh, you want to switch it up? Oh, let's go into the forest and we'd hike in a little bit and have trees as a foreground. Or uh, it was it was everything I could have hoped for and more. Uh, and you know, it was it was cold. We were in the uh, minus forty was not unheard of. And uh, but it's just you dress for it, you know. And we've got the truck right there. And actually, we got a a new van coming that I'm really stoked on. It's going to be our photo mobile. It's got the the barn doors on both sides. So we can roll in and, and then it's got a, a, an, an extra heater in it and like, it's going to be tricked out. Uh, so that'll be getting here ooh, in a few weeks. So we're really excited to have that show up. That's going to be a, a fun little new toy. And uh, yeah, so then we're rolling into summer season here. The belugas will be here. The birds are starting to trickle in. Uh, and then that gets us to polar bear season. Polar bear, our polar bear season's already basically sold out. Like it, it sold out just like that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of familiar faces. Um, you know, if anybody's looking to get up here with us, I'd give uh, Don Wilson a call um, and see if she's got because she's she's on it. <laughs> uh, so she'll be back up here again. And so, yeah, it's it's just adventure after another. Uh, and then changing diapers, of course. So is Dawn taking tours? Is she uh, yeah, taking she's, a tour she's, up there? She's so she be, might have an yeah, opening or two? Yeah, she's going to be hosting. Uh, so she'll, she's going to, yeah, you just call her up and she's got a block of spots and has it all set up. So um, if you're looking to get to Churchill this year, uh, yeah. Give and Dawn is that done with you guys using all your knowledge yep, and your and then, cars? And then and... come up and, and use all our infrastructure and our, our vehicles and things like that. So yeah. Um, we always enjoy Don's groups. They have a lot of fun. We need to call her and see if we can get the wild exposed yeah. rate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, she'll <laughs> double go. it. Well, shoot. I, I tell you what you guys need to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For you guys? She's like, oh, Ron's got a phantom. <laughs> uh, no, I tell you what. You guys need to come in like uh, – like I know this is that's the best time to be anywhere, but like that August and September time frame uh, here in Churchill, and that's so it's it's known for polar bears, right? It's polar bear self-proclaimed polar bear capital of the world and all that. Um, but the the three things that Churchill's known for the aurora, the belugas, and the polar bears all overlap in that uh, late August and early September, and and then you've got the fall tundra colors and things like that, and so that's the time frame that I think you guys should come up and do a wild that. and exposed uh, workshop. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Start doing, doing some underwater stuff with the belugas and um, yeah. And then it's, it is, it's super novel to be able to go out and watch the Aurora with civilized, civilized temperatures. <laughs> I was throwing around that minus 40 uh, like it's no big deal, but it is awfully nice to <laughs> not be that cold. <laughs> you know what, Drew? I think you got one more lens to order. 
What's that one? That Canon 5.8 yeah, or the, whatever it is. The POV the dual lens. fisheye. It's a five. Oh, I've, it's a 5.2 millimeter, 2.8. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've actually, I've talked to a couple buddies about that who have a Canon. Cause if I bought it, I have to buy a Canon body. I, I know. Things like that. So, <laughs> yeah. we know so I've been, it's, it's one of those things that's, yeah. it's better to have friends with Canons than to have your own Canon. <laughs> Mike's, nice. Mike's is, editor, is my, is my Travis has one. <laughs> of the dual? So, yeah. Send him up. Yeah. No, I'm going to bo- <laughs> yeah. borrow we'll it. Take it for him. a test yeah. drive. Not send no, it. So it's super fast too. It's a two eight, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a two eight. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I want. I want some. So we had a few. R, I've seen a few R fives and stuff. Like the video aspect of it is is intriguing to me. And the, the Sony's are obviously well. The S series and the Sony's are obviously the 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 best for the light. it. Yep. Uh, but I, I just I like seeing out seeing which ones can do it. And I know Ray and I went and shot a couple times in Anchorage, and he ended up. Uh, trying to shoot some video. I don't know that I ever saw the the finished product, but he said it was passable. I are okay. I don't... I don't think Ray looks at his images. I think he just shoots a lot. He was, uh, he was with you, wasn't he, Mike, on the bear trip? Yeah. Yeah. And he still hasn't looked at his images. It's, it's, awesome. I, I would message him. I would be like, Ray, did you look at those photos yet? No. Ah, you're killing me, Ray. <laughs> I got to call him. Yeah. Oh, I got to give a shout out to, I got to give a shout out to Mike because he had his, uh, Mike Burke, he had his It Depends long sleeve tee on. And after seeing it, I'm going to, I'm going to get one from the store. It was, it was pretty sweet. One of the guys showed up on the tour, the the boat trip with the (laughs) It Depends t-shirt on. So it's catching fire out there. That was Craig Wallace. And shout out to Craig because, that dude listens to all of our podcasts. We'd be sitting there and he'd be like, oh, remember on this episode? And I'm, I'm like going back to the files in my head. I'm like, yeah, I got it. But he's got it all down. So were you texting people so, on your Zolio out there? People. He was actually. Every didn't, didn't day. We got updates. I did. I sent you a location. I didn't oh, hear I didn't back. Get it. So I, I was like, oh, he. No. You didn't? So I'll, I'll have to go back and look. That's what I like about so what the I, locations. Because Dave asked me, when you send the location, that was, yeah, you screened Mm. his text. You need to add me. I thought it was spam. Spam. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I sent you that, and I thought, okay, well, I'll get a response, and then I'll just tell you about it. And I didn't hear, so I thought you might be busy with the baby, and I was like, "Ah, I'm just (laughs) not going to bug him. And Dave said the same thing. He's like, I haven't. He said, have you talked to Drew? I said, no, I haven't talked to him, but I did send him a location. So we knew, we th- we just figured you were busy. But I knew that he talked to you when we yeah, got back. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I was super jealous. So one other thing that I had on that trip, and you guys are talking about all this bird stuff, I learned two things. Well, I learned one thing, and then I think you all need to go to the uh, page, that I the mm-hmm. trip report page. Look at the list of birds that's on that thing. And... Ron, you're dead on. There's some certified bird nuts in this world. And one of the guys on this trip, Russ, he, he, I think he has his PhD in ornithology. Mm -hmm. So that kind of speaks to his uh, passion. But this guy, we would be looking at a bear and he would be looking at a Tweety bird, an LBB, a little brown bird. 
over in the, or he'd be listening. He'd be like, Oh, that's a, that's a, you just can't keep track. But I started to make a list of what we saw on the trip and it was, I don't know, 15 species. And I I was like, there's no way Russ is going to look at this list and, and say, man, this is the most pathetic list I've seen. So I just emailed him and I said, Hey, would you mind coming to coming up with a list of everything that you saw as far as birds? Just go take a look. I don't know. There's probably what 75 birds on there. I don't know. I didn't add them up, but it's incredible. The number of birds that he saw. So in that process, when he was and he educated all of us and we were all captivated, everybody on the trip, but do you guys use the Merlin app? This is what I learned. I use Sibley. I don't use use Merlin. Merlin though, is the one that you can, Merlin is it record the sound and then it'll tell you what bird it is. Right. It really does a good job of narrowing down. You can take a picture, you know, all kinds of stuff. You can download maps. So if you know you're going to be in the Mm -hmm. southwest U.S., you download that map, and it has really detailed information, and it's free. So if anybody wants, and according to Russ, this is the best bird app out there. I don't know what you think, Drew, or what you've heard, but it's supposed to be one. It is. It's the Cornell Ornithological Society that puts it out, right? Well, and it kind of depends on what you're – what you're using it for, like different apps obviously have different strengths and things like that. Um, so, but no, that is, that is one of the, one of the best ones out there. I was just playing around with, uh, I still have uh, iBird pro on my phone today. And so I was going through all my like old, and it, it's got this where you put the picture in and it'll tell you what the, the bird is. And I was trying to fool it. So I was going through just old random pictures I have on my phone because I'm sitting there, I got the kid in one arm and I've just got the phone looking for bird pictures in the other. So I was throwing all sorts of stuff at it, like a stellar sea eagle and a white tailed eagle. And it was getting them. I was like some of this stuff where they're, it's all voodoo magic to me. Uh, but it is amazing. And if you're looking to get into birding and you were always intimidated by, and I know the books, like you're like looking at stuff and you're trying to, like the, the apps are, are a great way to do it, uh, particularly with the song IDs now and the photo IDs and things like that. And for if you're coming from a f- photography background where your instinct is to take its picture anyway, shoot first and ask questions later, uh, a lot of those photo ID bird apps are fantastic. Fantabulous. <laughs> and then it can compile your life list for you. Yeah. Oh, see, that's the thing. That's cool. I wish I had yeah, it 20 Sibley years ago. does that as well. It, But yeah, I bet. my life list mostly is in my old, you know, the old red cover field field guide. And I would just go in and draw a circle around anything that I saw, write down where I saw it, when. And so now to transfer all that into an app, it's going to take me a while. But... Sounds like you need to do that when you're sitting That's, in a blind waiting yeah, for next time I'm grouse. sitting in a blind, that would be a good project, actually. Or on the bow of a loon boat. Well, the, the loon boat. <laughs> Instead of sleeping. No, it was it was resting your neck because you're, you're like in a prone shooting position. You kind of, he had those uh, ground pods and then you, you put your gimbal on the, the ground pod. And then you've got just a super stable platform. And, you know, I, to my eye, if I would have come back with shots just to my eye, 
I would have been about a 45 degree angle because I found myself in all kinds of funky positions. But I turned the, here's a, here's a pro tip or an amateur tip. I'm not sure which, but I turned the level on and the, on the R5 and it, it not only goes like in your viewfinder in the back on the LCD, but it's also available in your electronic viewfinder. So when you're looking through, you've got the level in there. So when I would be off kilter, I would just look at that and then line it up. But I mean, even when it was lined up perfect and it turns green when it's, uh, when it's level, even when I was lined up perfectly, I thought I was off my my head was so backwards and twisted around trying to follow these birds. But I will, I did want to throw out Stan has a lot of options. And so next year's trip, we're going to do this again, this loon trip next year's trip is going to include uh, Western Grebes with babies riding on their back loons. We've timed it out really nicely. And then if you are a, a bird enthusiast, um, it, there's a lot of opportunities to get some birds that you've never, never seen before. Stan's got most of them on his property. And then we're going to do a Lightroom class in addition uh, during the middle of the day. So you're going to have to forego a nap on that day, but we will do a Lightroom class as well. Just as kind of added bonus. So, so are you going to pick up the R3 and the R7 to round out your... Uh... Not the R3. I... Honestly, the R7 is is uh, something that intrigues me, especially for birds, just because you get that little bit of extra reach. So you're 200 to 400, even without the teleconverter, you could stay at f4, and you could be 300 to 600 with that lens with the with the conversion, and actually a little bit more than that, right? Because the the APS-C on Canon is 1.6, not 1.5. Nikon's 1.5 with their APS-C. I was just going to ask, what's the megapixels on this seven? Uh, supposedly, supposedly 32. Oh, it's pretty good. And it's, it's out being tested right now. So yeah, I just, my only concern would be the low light capabilities because you're putting 32 megapixels on a, a lot smaller sensor. So is it going to be too crammed in there? But man, that seems like a wildlife photographer's dream. And then the other bonus part of that is I think it's only going to be 1500 bucks. So why not put one in your bag? If you know, if you're looking for Get a three. second body, yeah, I won't be doing three, but I might have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and then I was, I was talking with the, uh, my buddy Darcy about it the other day. And did I, did I hear right that it's going to have, like everybody's talking about megapixels and whatnot, but does it have a pre-record feature? I haven't like heard that yet, but if it does, like, cause that's the game changer. If it like does, megapixels that's a big and all deal. that, whatever, yeah. like that's, it's something that uh, Olympus and, uh, you know, Panasonic have had for years. And I was always shocked that nobody else was doing that, but it is a game changer for birds or like Brooks falls, um, you know, salmon jumping into the bear's mouth. Mm -hmm. If you, if you want the 20 shots before you, how many, how many times in your life have you wanted the 20 shots from before you push the button every day, <laughs> right? Like, and they're finally giving it to you and they're being sneaky about it. I don't know why they wouldn't just be up front. Like, Hey, here it is. Yeah. So keep an eye out. If that's in there, you should, yeah, you should. Get well, it. but the problem is, is in next year, the R1 is going to come out. And <laughs> if the R7 has it, the R1 is definitely going to have it. 
So then you're going to want that. I don't know. I only have so many thousands and that's, that's how they get most of them are gone. And then the phantom on top of that. I mean, yeah, you got it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have that many hundreds. I talked to Mike at precision camera the other day about the R3 funny little story. He calls me, he works at a camera shop. They rent out camera lenses all the time. Right. He calls me to borrow a lens. What? I was like, this is only Mike that's going to do this. But I didn't have what he was looking for. But he said he's been using the R3. And he said the eye tracking. So you calibrate it to your eye and whatever you're looking at. And he and his wife do, uh, what is it, agility dogs? And they do all these national competitions. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen these dogs. They're super fast, you know. And they're constantly jumping or running or flipping or whatever they do. Catch frisbees, whatever they're doing. He said that the eye tracking with your eye, not the eye tracking in the camera following the animal, but wherever you're looking in that viewfinder is what's going to, what it's going to lock on. He said it's phenomenal. So that's got to go in yeah. our one too. And that's what I told him. I said, I just can't justify buying all these cameras. If all this technology will be in the, their flagship camera, yeah. that's the one. I'm always looking at the stick in front of the bear. But going to pay dearly. Right. <sighs> yeah. Don't look at the <sighs> stick. <Every> time. <clears throat> <laughs> oh one other thing too i you know, totally or did you have jason go. go ahead no you go no go ahead i was just going to talk a little bit about that focus i actually finally updated both of my r5s before i went on my last trip this last weekend and to the latest software which i think is 1.5.2 anyways um and so i was at 1.4 so there had been like three updates i was behind on and there were some features that i noticed that i didn't notice before and one of them in the video mode was they have like a face lock tracking on video and it was pretty, it was pretty accurate. I was playing around with those badgers and stuff. And I, you know, if I just, it, it would do it on its own, but if you touch the face, then that's where it would try to lock on and it would stay, it would stay on that as long as it was in view. And then if it disappeared, it was, it felt like it was like paused. Then as soon as it came back in view, it would grab it again. And it was pretty, it was pretty accurate. Yeah. So yeah, they've, they're coming a long way and those are just firmware updates. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not, so it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, they're giving you a lot of features in the the new yeah, firmware, yeah. which is it, it's not something that Canon has always done. Right, but they're they're definitely. I mean, they gave you raw video in uh, one of the previous firmware updates, which is not something that's ever been in any of their mirrorless or DSLRs. So that's pretty sweet. Right. They have the the C seventy has a built in neutral density and it has a four second pre-record, not like, you know, like the helium has up to 30 seconds, right, Mike? Yeah. I think that's the max. Um, but it was nice because we were we were filming a, a red-breasted woodpecker. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Um, red-breasted woodpecker in a, in a cavity nest. And they were just flying in and out, bringing bugs in and... So that pre-record is is almost a must when you're doing that because you'll miss them flying in or they'll go around a tree and come into the nest and you won't see them until they're already there or as fast as those things move, they're already in the cavity. So you just miss it. But with that pre-record, it's, you know, it's cheat code for sure. <laughs> That's what cheat we need to call code. this episode, the cheat code episode. What is it? Left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. Yeah, I never played any of those games, so I have no idea. What else did you find in there, Jason? Was that pretty much it? 
No, there's a lot more. I haven't even had a time to review all the notes um, and go play with my, I need to go play with my autofocus stuff. I'm sure of that because I know there's been changes to all that. They gave you a lot of the same autofocus or the focus updates that you got with the R3. That's why they waited to release it until after the R3. But I heard that there were some people that had some problems with it at the 1.5 release. So they've done a 1.51, 1.52 now. And apparently that's addressed any of those issues from what I've been told. But Fine-tuned um, it. Fine-tuned it, yeah. So, I mean, I've still got to go play with it. I need to, I've learned this last trip, you know, video is, I'm doing more and more video. And it's, I've got to get my camera set up. So I've got, you know, three different video modes that I can flip to on, you know, on a moment's notice. And, you know, there's some, I missed out on some pretty cool stuff because I couldn't get my freaking camera in the right video mode quick enough. Like just some really good rain with the bison standing in it, you know, breath coming out, you know, go do some of that in the slow-mo stuff. Right. And I just could not get it figured out in the slow-mo fast enough. And anyways, just, I'm, you know, we all know this, we talk about it all the time, but we got to, you got to be prepared for those things. And, I just need to get my camera set up to do those different modes. And it's easy to do. I just got to do it. We're an hour and a half in, uh-huh. but you just alluded to the only trip we haven't talked about. I know. I was just getting ready to ask him about it. The longer I'll the episode, the better. Short. You just keep <laughs> running going. But you know what? Before we do your trip, let's do the yeah. Zolio thing because I totally dropped the ball. Drew laid it right out there and, and I changed the subject. Right. So uh, have you guys all got your Zolios going? Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't have mine going no, right now. But you got it all set up and you're, you, Drew, you've been using it forever. It's, but Ron and Jason got them and got them set up and they're set it's up. the ticket. Jason's been messaging me on, or he actually used it a lot in Yellowstone, giving me updates of what they had going on. And then, Mike, you used the heck out of it when you were kind of out in the back country in Alaska. Yeah. I was just trying to give and, you guys and points while you were. Yeah. And while you were on your way also, and that's what I was going to say. What I liked about the location is when it sent your location, it also sent images of close to the lat long. Yeah. So you kind of, you can kind of visualize where you're getting the location from. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. That's that an extra neat. like $6 feature. I think for the, location like if you want to just send a location i think it's six bucks but it's un, i think it's unlimited but it is cool because mm-hmm. i'm i do it with everybody and that's what i did with drew because i just wanted me to know hey we're at the spot and then i tried to send you guys up so you guys would know where we're at and then of course my mom she has to know exactly where i'm at at all times <laughs> so um just a cool device and i think it's you know everybody on the trip all the workshop participants were I think people know what it is, but they don't really know what it is. And so many people are um, like a lot of these guys do Yellowstone just like we all do. Right. But like you just experienced, Jason, I think it has a use like in Yellowstone, even because there's plenty of places where you don't get cell phone coverage. Mm -hmm. So just being able to talk to your buddies or talk to, you know, I use it for business a lot where if I'm off the grid, I, I can't do much, but at least I know what's going on as opposed to sometimes, you know, prior to the Zolio, you'd be out there and you could miss a whole month of work questions. Well, the other thing that it does in a place like Yellowstone, it gives you the capability of, you know, divide and conquer, split up and go scout different areas. And then, hey, you guys need to get over here. There's some good stuff going on. Yep. And nobody misses out. Communicating back and forth. Yeah. 
So I have to say, before Michael had his, and we were on this boat trip together, he'd come up to me and be like, hey, <laughs> could you text my mom? Or could, could I? So like when I, when I, when I go to type <laughs> Michael's name into my phone to text him or something, the next number that pops up below his is just labeled as Michael's mom. <laughs> yep. And if you go look at all those messages, it's nothing but little heart emojis from my mom. <laughs> right. I tell you, I've had mine for, for a couple of years now and it That's does great. not leave my truck. Like it is on the dashboard and it's already saved my butt more times than I'd care to admit. I guess I've already let the cat out of the bag on it. And a couple of times, you know, I'm out just by myself. You get stuck. The cell phone coverage ends, you know, just out of town here. So anywhere I want to go, I'm out of, I'm out of cell phone coverage. And so like I can check in with Julie. I can say, Alex, come pull me out of the snow drift <laughs> or whatever. Uh, that's happened multiple <laughs> times. Um, but what I like about it, and I, I've been communicating i spent so much time in field camps and things like that i was uh on kind of the cutting edge of of satellite texting technology back with the delorms and then the inreaches and things like that and what the shortcoming with those always was you didn't have a designated number so like you couldn't leave town and just give somebody your number you had to initiate the conversation from your device and if you've ever tried to text anybody inreach to inreach like brad josephs and i were trying to communicate like he's at one end of Hollow Bay, I'm at the other, and it's just, it's a mess. So with the Zolio, what is a straight up game changer is you've got your own phone number. So you don't have to initiate the conversation. You could have it printed mm -hmm. on a business card. You could have it on whatever, and you give it to somebody. You give it to my mom. She just programs it into her phone as like an alternative number for me, and she can check in whenever she she wants. I never check in enough for her, so she can now check in whenever, whenever she's wondering what I'm up to. She doesn't necessarily like the answer on what I'm doing or where I am, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's peace of mind. And that, uh, I'll tell you right away, that was having experienced the others. That was the number one reason I bought the, the, the Zolio unit a couple of years ago. And let me just run through a couple of things that are yeah. based off of what Drew said. So you can keep your number. The other cool thing about the device is you can buy the device, you can activate it. And if you activate it on our website, if you go to our website under the sponsors link, you can look at um, some of the things that we offer. So you can buy a Zolio device using a link that we put on our website, and we actually get a little um, affiliate fee for that. So that's kind of cool. So if you want to help support the podcast, just follow that, and that'll take you through to the affiliate link that we have to purchase the actual device. And then when you set up your device, it's a minimum of three months and there's a $20 activation fee, activation fee, but they will waive that fee if you use the code wild exposed, not wild and exposed. It's just wild exposed. When you sign up for your service and they'll waive the activation fee for the, for the device itself. But after your three months, let's say you want to cancel you want to just use it for three months in the summer, or you're just really active in the fall, you can suspend your service. And I think it's $4 a month that you pay to hold on to your phone number. So you, you don't lose that phone number. So if you do what Drew just said, and you put your number on business cards or something, you don't want to lose that number because you can re you can lose it and then start it up again later, but you'll pay the activation fee. Plus you'll also pay 
or you'll just get a different number, which then doesn't work for your business card um, solution. So $4 a month without service, you could use it for three months, turn it off or put it on the $4 thing. And then you've got it every year. If you're that type of person for me, I just found it's really cool to have for every month. Cause it seems like I'm somewhere off the grid all the time. So it just works, but there's different ways to do it for different people, but definitely check it out on our, our page and go to just go to the sponsors link. And it's pretty self-explanatory from there. Yeah. I'll, I'll just add that when I set mine up, the other thing I really liked about it was how simple it was to follow the, the website. They've set the website up really well to just guide you through all the things you need to do to set it up. And even gave you, like you mentioned, Drew, you can have your number and you know, it gives you an opportunity to start a little message. You can just copy paste if you want to send to people that you want to have your number. Um, you know, just tell them to go ahead and add this. This is your Zolio number and add it to their, you know, their, save it to their uh, contact list or whatever. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, and then this thing is absolutely amazing. I love it. I think I've always thought about getting one and I've always like, well, you know, you know, I, I didn't like the idea of having to sign up for three months at a time and other things, blah, blah, blah. It'd be really cool if you could sign up for a month at a time. Um, but for, you know, being out there and using it in Yellowstone, I used it a ton. And um, the nice thing was, is now the other little thing is I like to drive all night, like Ron's <laughs> mentioned multiple times and I'll get, <laughs> I'll get there and I'll get, I'm so tired and I'll just get right to shooting. And then my wife will be like, you didn't even let me know you made it safely, you know? So now what I did is when I got there, I just hit the little button, the check mark. And I've already got it set up to notify my mom and my wife that I'm, I'm where I'm at. And then I'm okay. And I'm good. It's like a check-in feature that, that Mike mentioned. And it was perfect. I didn't have to like sit down and write a text or anything. I just hit the little button check mark and it sends the little notice and every, everything's good. And then I use that pretty much every day. And the one, it was funny. The first time I sent it, my wife pinged me back and says, what's the matter? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I, that that's was, what I was just letting you know. I'm that good. That was while we were right? in you Utah, know? She's like, it? It, it, it was. <laughs> it's like, I know I'm fine. I'm just testing this thing out. Did you read it? She goes, well, you, I just didn't think you'd send me something unless there was a problem. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. That's this. Ch yeah. Anyways, it was just kind of a funny little inside there, but <laughs> she gets it now. We're good. But <laughs> you have another one programmed that you hit the button. It says the lizards got me. Said help. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my toes in the lizard's mouth. Help. <laughs> All right. So there's that. That's the whole Zolio thing. Jason, what went on? And I don't even know where you were at. I mean, I think I do, but. Right, right, right. So we we actually I made a couple trips. I made a quick weekend trip to to uh, um, to Yellowstone, and actually ended up having a really good encounter with some grizzly bear stuff, and um, had a little bit of an encounter with a wolf. It's probably the best encounter I've ever had, finally, and uh, that was pretty cool. It was a, it was a, a sub adult, I'm pretty sure, and it was um, you know no collar or anything, and pretty much point blank range. It was pretty wild. Um, we got some neat photos of that. And then I went again just this last weekend um, and tried to get up there and focus on some black bears and baby black bears. And, you know, in the park this spring, there's been a few sows with some koi and it's been kind of fun to, you know, photograph them. And uh, so I did find some bears. And then we also found a badger den with a mom with a baby. And she actually had two babies, but the coyote got one of them. So she had moved the babies. And so I thought to move the other baby and I thought we'd miss the opportunity and apparently she decided to go back to that same den later on. And it's it was just an incredible opportunity. 
you know, you're super close, perfect for video and photography. And they were pretty much on a schedule, which was kind of cool to, to see. Um, but it was kind of fun there. We had some drama there. Um, we missed it the day that we found out what happened, but um, apparently a coyote had followed the mom back because the mom had caught a squirrel and was bringing it back to the den and the coyote followed her back to the den and kind of hung out by the den for a while. And then the coyote finally left. And then the next morning, we watched her come out again and play with the baby. She kept trying to get the baby to move because I think the baby had gotten to a point where it was too old, too big for it to just pick up in its mouth and to carry it. And uh, finally, the baby took off with her and they disappeared. And we never saw him again. And I, what knowing that the coyote had followed to the den the day before, I think she just figured it was time to move, you know, for safety for the for the for the cub. But um, yeah, just a great opportunity and you know got to see quite a bit of a activity with the the badgers and the den then the black bears with the koi um you know got to hook up with adam and kate and that's always fun you know they're they were up there for a little bit longer they're actually getting ready to head up to alaska um heading up your way for some stuff this summer but um but yeah no it was a good trip so that was kind of a quick update but it sounds like a good trip and i heard mm-hmm. on that podcast when i edited it with you and kate and well you guys did it with kate and adam that you had never had any luck with wolves. And I'm like, that can't be true. I mean, that as much time as you spend in that park, you would think you would run across them at some point. Yeah. It's wild. You know, we, I've, I've seen wolves. I've seen a lot of wolves over the years, but you know, to have those kind of encounters where you actually can get what you'd call a good photo, it's not easy. And uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of uh, long range opportunities. Ron was there last year when we had that, long range opportunity with that mating pair on the ridge line. It was still a really neat opportunity, but just, you know, really far and kind of some atmospheric stuff going on, but still really fun to be there and be a part of. Um, but yeah, finally to have that happen. And I mean, Kate and Adam have kind of had that problem too until this spring. And then they just, they killed it this spring. I guess there's just been a lot of the, uh, one of the packs I think had kind of split up a little bit. And with some of the younger wolves, they were just kind of randomly all over the place and, a lot of them were down close by the roads and stuff. So it was just a lot of people had had quite a few pretty crazy encounters this spring. So I just got lucky being there at the right time. Finally, you know, it's a numbers game, right? Eventually it'll, uh, it'll pay off if you put enough time in. So, but I still didn't get what I want. I mean, I, let me just be clear. Do we ever? <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> I rolled up. I rolled up on that first night of loons. And I took a, the first set of images and I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I got exactly <laughs> what I wanted. I mean, three or four different behaviors. It was nuts. And he does, he does yeah, a great cool. job because you're and this is going backwards, but it's always better to go on a tour with a guide that is a photographer because they're not only thinking of behavior, they're thinking of putting you in the best position for light, the best position to get the the composition that you want, the good backgrounds, that type of thing. So I will say going back, you know, with the group that went with Mike, um, you know, as he was discussing, calling out compositions, calling out, hey, shoot the, ver- don't forget to shoot the vertical, they're standing or they're in line or whatever the case may be, get the vertical while they're in a position to do that and then go back and, and just kind of teaching you how to work the work, the scene, but going with a guide that is a photographer, I don't care what trip you're going on. 
you're going to be in a much better, much better, you're going to have much better opportunities to get the shots that you want. I'll just say that. So I'd, it's been busy. I mean, I, it's been so long since I've had anything to catch up on. The last couple, <laughs> the last couple catch ups has been just me interviewing you two about your trips. So it's <laughs> nice to have, it's nice to have some input. Real quick, I just want to mention one more thing, you know, and it's something I I fail to mention sometimes, but about every time we're out in the field, at least in my experience, especially in a popular place like Yellowstone. We, we get the opportunity to run into to fans of the show, people that listen to the podcast. And it's always it's always exciting to run into people that are supporting us. And the feedback that I always receive is always very positive. And it's it's the kind of motivation to just keep keep you going. You know what I mean? Um, people are enjoying what we're doing, and, I, and we really appreciate that. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to Tim Soka, a gentleman that's been listening to the podcast for quite a while. We sat and chatted for a while. And I, you know, just wanted to give him a shout out here on the show and just tell him thanks for one, saying hi, and then two, chatting with me for a while, killing some time where we're waiting for a badger to show up. But, and then obviously, thanks for supporting the show. So, yeah, if you guys ever see us out there, please don't hesitate to come and say hi. Um, you know, we do appreciate it. And we generally have some stickers or some swag that we can try to, you know, share and give with you guys if you're, if you're wanting and willing to you know, put that stuff on your coolers or your windows. or So whatever. to go right along with that, I showed up to stands a couple of days early because Mike, and this just happened to work out perfectly. Um, Mike had me go up and, and do a commercial job up in the Minneapolis area. And so I was up there with, with Travis and uh, another photographer, Jason, and we were, we we got that project done, but it coincided with the dates of the workshop, the loon workshop. But I got to go stand, you know, had some room on the boat, and I just went along with those guys. Didn't really shoot, um, but I got to go up a couple of days early and get a couple of extra sessions in with them. And so the two guys that he had on the boat, uh, Mike Compton and Kurt Hummel they're both listeners of the show and they actually heard Stan on the show and that's how they booked with him. So they were talking after they had gone out, they were talking and Stan said, Oh, we got, there's a guy coming and actually he's uh, from wild and exposed podcast. And they both said, you know, that's, that's how we heard about you. And so I got to go out with those guys. We got to go out to dinner and visit a little bit and just fantastic guys. And, and again, it was good feedback, and they asked me to tell you guys that they they enjoyed the show, and so I'm glad to I'm glad to hear we have fans because sometimes I think we're just talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the one thing that I hear over and over is people want more trivia. People absolutely love that episode. That's my jam. So that yeah, so that yeah. is a good segue into the super surprise announcement. It's probably not so much of a surprise right now after we just spent an hour and a half, hour and 45 <laughs> minutes on here. Uh, but Drew Hamilton is going to be joining us as a, as a co-host of the show. And a regular co-host, regular co-host, not just, you know, his quarterly check-in or his uh, quarterly <laughs> trivia master, but he will maintain, he will maintain the status of trivia master. And that will be, uh, that will be one of his jobs. So there will be more trivia. 
coming up. I'm so looking forward to it. I'm I'm, I'm gonna probably have uh, the next next trivia is gonna be all about uh, changing diapers and uh, ba- baby formula <laughs> recipe burping techniques and things burping. like that. No, I'll co- I'll come up with some good stuff. I really do love doing that. I'm one of the hosts of Trivia Night here in Churchill too. Uh, so if anybody finds themselves in in Churchill proper for for trivia night, come on down to the Legion. We have a good, we have a pretty good time with it. Um, yeah, no, I am super excited, and I was trying to think back uh, before uh, to when I started listening to the podcast, and it was always I never knew what anybody looked like, and you know, there it was the old theme song with the whistling and I was always picturing like you guys sit around <laughs> whistling at each other and, and, and here just a few days ago, I got added to the wild and exposed group text chat. I mean, that's, I've made it. I've made it now. I've arrived. You, you've Swapping arrived. Baby pictures with Ron and Jason. And yeah. yeah. So super yep, excited yep. to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're super excited to have you. Yeah, for sure. I think there's going to be some good opportunities in the future. And I'm super excited to go up there in August and September. Yes. One of these years. And (laughs) to shoot Aurora in 2025. You're waiting for the peak? What if it peaks early? (laughs) Why why would you not? If I know when the peak is, why would I not? That's the thing. They don't ever know when the peak is until it's passed. So there'll be a pre. You just told us there'll be a pre. I'm just quoting NASA. Like I, I got, I got <laughs> people for that. Uh, no, it's interesting. They, they don't know it's passed until it's already passed, and so they'll put out a press release saying, "Oh, you missed it. Oops, should have been here 2022 last 2022. <laughs> you should have gone. Should have, could have, would have. Get it while you can." So really quick on that, Drew, actually, I'm kind of curious now you said that. And I know that there's a cycle, right? But what what is it? What is that cycle generally? Uh, about 11 years. And it, it does about vary. And, oh. and it, some, some cycles will be bigger than others. Um, you know, thinking back to – and that's the thing with, with, with Churchill and places that are – you think of the auroral oval that is basically directly overhead like Tromsø, Norway, Iceland, southern Greenland, Churchill, Yellowknife. And then just it's north of Fairbanks, a little little ways in Alaska. And so like those places don't necessarily see an increase in frequency because they always get it. If it's going to occur anywhere in the world, it's going to occur in those places. Uh, but what we noticed uh, the last couple of years is that there, there have been uh, uh, an increase in just the number of just wicked, <laughs> wicked shows and like dance, there's everything you can, you, you imagine. And so when you're a lot of people, when they're, when they're chasing Aurora, they're looking at what's called the KP index, um, which is, uh, it's something it's a, it's data that's easy to check and it doesn't tell people exactly what they think it does. It's basically functionally, it tells you how far North and South you can see the Aurora. And so like, if it's a, uh, a seven, you might see it in Washington State or Montana or someplace like that. Wyoming, uh, Wyoming, yeah, we get it at seven. But yeah, there yeah. were there were a couple uh, shows earlier this year that popped up in Wyoming. This year, yeah. Whereas the best show I've ever seen was a two here in Churchill. So if you are right under that oval, it doesn't mm. need to expand all the way to that seven to be able to see it because you're right under the the belt. And so, like in Anchorage. Uh, you know, like a, a four would be a pretty good show in Anchorage. Uh, 
But if you were in, say, Wiseman or someplace up on the Hall Road, uh, all it takes is a, a one or a two. And that's the that's the situation we have here in Churchill as well. So, yeah, it's it's the cycle on the, the, the number of sunspots, gotcha. how active it is. Um, it'll peak, it'll go back down. But then when you're in some place that's under the oval, you don't necessarily have to worry about uh, where you are in that cycle quite as much. Mm. Uh, but that being said, this last year was epic. Sure. Uh, next year is going to be epic as well. I'm really looking forward to picking up 17 more lenses to <laughs> test out uh, <laughs> next year. Sounds like you need a Canon R and a. No, oh, no, I am. I am going to pick up the uh, this summer. I'm picking up the uh, the Olympus OM1 or the OMD OM1, and then I'm going to get that uh, that 150 to 400 with the built-in 2.5 teleconverter. That's my uh, that's my rig there. <laughs> Fits perfectly in my truck. <laughs> You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way.